pray, and then I'd like to get into the word. Two weeks from Christmas today, Father, and uh, the pace is building, and there's more and more for many of us to do. Father, that's typical. I pray in these moments you would just slow the world down. Let each word that you share with us be powerful. Father, I pray today for the one who's going to speak those words, that there would be clarity and there would be truth. And with that, you'd be honored and glorified through these humble offerings, we pray. In Jesus' name. You know, one of the dynamics of Christmas, and I think it really gets into the heart of the soul of why we're talking about this series that we've been in called Christmas Matters, is that one of the dynamics of Christmas is that the, the ordinary has a tendency to mask the extraordinary. The, the normal has a tendency to cloak, to mask the miraculous. The, the typical has a way of kind of overshadowing the supernatural. You know, this, to me, when, when I read Luke's account of the birth of Christ, I mean, it just drips with normalcy, right? Here's a government that's looking for a way to raise taxes. So they offer, they, they pass legislation that requires everybody to go to their ancestral home and be registered so they know how many people are in the country, so they know how many people should be paying taxes. So everyone, all the normal folks at least, are forced to travel. They're moving all around the country, caught up in that drift of people, just people going everywhere, are two typical people by the, name of G- by the name of Joseph and Mary. Joseph's a carpenter, not a man of great means. Makes his way to the home, the ancestral home of his family the city of David, known as Bethlehem. Just normal travel. Joseph, calluses, complete with calluses from being a carpenter, makes his way with his engagement with his wife, his betrothed wife, Mary, to the city of Bethlehem. They get there and, like normal, Murphy's Law is at work, right? What can go wrong will go wrong. They get there, there's no room for them in the end. And they're just normal people. There isn't anybody to evict somebody from the penthouse apartment that's at the top of the hotel building. They're just normal people. They got no place for them. But they're offered the barn out back just so they can get off the streets. I mean, be like you and I pulling into a Hampton Inn or a Holiday Inn and there's no room there. We just sleep in our car, right? Because we can't keep driving. They got no place to go, so they offer them the best that they had, all that they had, which was the manger, the stable out back. And then, like normal, after a hard day's travel, after days of travel, Mary goes into labor and the baby's born. Like any of us would normally do, they try to do the best that they can for this, can for this child. They wrap him whatever clothes they can and they put him in a makeshift crib 
that we call a manger. It's, it's, it's just dripping with normalcy. And everybody else walking by or observing or being a part of that journey would look at it and just say, this is just the way life happens in the first century when the government makes everybody move so they can figure out some way or another to raise more money from somebody. It's, it's just all normal. It's all typical. It's all ordinary. But in those moments, the extraordinary is happening. Right? In that, more, in that normal moment, the miraculous is taking place. In the midst of that typical setting, the supernatural is entering into our world. And, and when you are able to kind of peel back the onion and look at it just a little bit bigger, you can see that, that the miraculous is invading the normal. The extraordinary is invading the ordinary. And, and one of the things that grieves me when I think about Christmas, and our, and our theme has been if we don't get Christmas, we don't get Christ. If you don't really understand what God is doing in Christmas, his entrance into the world and all that flows from it, you really don't get who Christ is, what Christ has done, what that can mean for you, and what that means for your eternity. You just don't get those things if you don't get Christmas. And somehow or another for us, often the extraordinary just gets blurred by the ordinary. And I think there's a single word in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus that gets at how you and I can grasp the fact that in in the ordinary, God invests himself to do the extraordinary. I'd love for you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1 with me. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. And... And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, and just so you'll know up front, the word that we're going to fixate on this morning is the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. In fact, if you were going to translate it directly, you would say, with us, God. Because the little word E-L at the end, those two letters at the end stand for God. And so it's saying, with us is God. God with us. And, and there is a dynamic and God being with us, that if we don't understand it, that all the things that God can do for us in Jesus Christ, the way he wants to work out his presence, his nature, his purposes, his mission for us, all of that, we don't get any of that if we don't understand that God is with us. Let me just read through these 18 verses, these verses from verse 18 down through verse 25, and I'll make a few comments as we go along just so you'll get some of the backstory. But then I want to fixate in on this word of Emmanuel. Because if we don't get what it means for God to be with us, then all the promises, all the joy that God's offered us, all the hope, all the love, all the purpose, all it doesn't really make sense unless we understand that God has stepped in, was here, is here, will always be here, until he takes us to be with him forever. Let's just read these verses. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man 
and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. The process of marriage was different in the first century in, in Judea than it is today for us. Marriages were arranged well before the participants in that marriage actually came of marriageable age. Often it was done parent to parent. Sometimes there was a matchmaker, but there would be a commitment made, and you'd get to a certain point, and when the youngest of those two was ready to be married, in other words, they got to a marriageable age, there would be a renewal of that commitment if both parties were willing to go forward. At that point, they were betrothed to one another. And they were legally bound to one another. And then they would wait for 12 months until they had their wedding ceremony. And then they would have their wedding night and they would go on in their journey. As we get it from this story, after they had made the betrothal commitment, so now they're legally bound to one another, but before they've actually experienced the wedding, somewhere in that 12 months, Mary becomes pregnant because God has intervened in her life. And Joseph, feeling the pressure of doing what the law tells him that he should do, which is to put her away and to get rid of her, he doesn't really want to disgrace her, so he's trying to figure out how to do this whole divorce thing secretly. For after he had considered these things, verse 20, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. And you to name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's a powerful name. We looked at that last week and the week before. And, and, but in order for you and I to understand how this Savior of all of his people has an impact on us, we need to understand the Emmanuel. So now all this took place. To, fill, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And this comes from the book of Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. God with us. You know, I take great encouragement from the fact that it was translated, because if this was just for Jewish people, there wouldn't be a need to translate it, right? There wouldn't be a need to interpret it. You know, I'm speaking to you today in, in English. You all understand there isn't a need for it to be translated. A couple months from now when I go to Rwanda, everything that I say will need to be translated for the people around me to understand what it is that I'm saying because they don't speak English. The reason this is interpreted for us is that this isn't limited just to the Jewish people, but it's for all of us. Emmanuel. God with us. When God got up from when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but he did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So the imagery you get there is that the wedding happened, the wedding night came, and they just played solitaire. You know, they just waited right until the baby was born, and then then they went on. Powerful word. What, what, are, what are the implications of this Emmanuel? You know, you, you and I, we, we live our lives in the ordinary, don't we? That ain't going to change. But that doesn't mean that God's not up to the extraordinary. 
You and I live our lives in the typical. How many of you expect this next week at work to be different than last week? I mean, it's just typical, right? It's normal. But somehow in the midst of the typical, in the midst of the normal, God is and desires to do the miraculous. He desires to do the supernatural. God desires to do the extraordinary. And he desires to do it in us and through us. The very reason why you and I can be the light of the world and not, and it not be just some kind of a cheap cliche that we use, but that you and I actually have an impact on our world is because God is with us, right? The reason why you and I can be mountain movers is because God is with us. The reason why you and I can experience abundant life now, as Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, is because God is with us. The reason why you and I really can change, the reason why you and I should be changing, the reason why you and I should be transformed is because God is with us. Because God is with us, we should be a people of joy. Because God is with us, we should be a people of hope. Because God is with us, we should be a people of love, of kindness, of goodness. We should be able to grow through difficulty as we represent the kingdom. And all this lies buried underneath the normal that we usually experience. And unless we understand the Emmanuel and what that means for us, that God is with us, we won't ever experience the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. So let me just give you a few truths that I think flow from this idea of, of God as the Emmanuel. And, and it and it starts out with the fact that in our text today, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't give you a page references on page 813, Matthew chapter 1, the very first chapter of the New Testament. When you look at verse 23 in the Pew Bible, you're going to notice that it's indented and it's in bold black print. And the reason why is it's quoting a prophecy. It's quoting the Old Testament. And, and, and don't miss this message. God keeps his promises. The Emmanuel means that God keeps his promises. He was the promised Emmanuel. Then he became the present Emmanuel. And he promises to be the future Emmanuel. God promised Emmanuel. Emmanuel came. Emmanuel is still with us. What's the last thing that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew to his disciples? Lo, I'm with you always. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, and, and then the Emmanuel will come. Jesus promised in, in the Gospel of John and in many other places, he's going to come and take us to be where he's at. The Emmanuel stands as a monument that God keeps his promises. Everything that he said that he would do, he's going to do. Sometimes we look at the promises of God and we believe that they're too good to be true. We, we look at the commands of God and we see them as being too challenging for us to obey. And God has promised that I am with you and all of my promises will be kept. He can and he will. Whether it's be for us to endure and to be victorious through testing and through trials and through temptation, to be in conquerors, God will keep his promises. When he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own 
understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, he will keep his promise and direct your paths. God keeps his promises. That's part of the message of Emmanuel, God with us, is that God is a promise keeper. Sometimes I think we wonder if those promises are ever going to happen for us. And I think a lot of it is because we, we, we kind of, well, it depends on kind of what I do and this and that. God is a promise keeper. And God is inviting us in the Emmanuel, showing up in the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He's asking for us to see beyond and to see what he really can do and wants to do. Here's the second truth I want to give you. Not only is God a promise keeper, but it means that you and I never live a single second of our lives as a child of God outside of of the presence of royalty. You don't spend a single moment of your journey outside of the presence of the divine king. Because God is with us. No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're up to, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your experiences, no matter any of those things for myself, God is before us. God is behind us. God is beside us on both sides. God is underneath us. God is above us. God is always with us. Whether you are experiencing the elation of arriving at the top of Mount Everest after a long climb, or whether you are in the deepest, darkest valley and you can just feel the breath of the shadow of a death on your neck. God is with us. Every single moment of, you, of your journey and of my journey is lived in the full, complete presence of the divine. You're, you are never outside of the presence of royalty, whether we go to school, whether we're going to work, whether we're talking to our neighbors down the street, whether we're, we're out playing or on the golf course, whether in the hospital, whether we're in the OR waiting for surgery or we're celebrating the birth of a baby, it doesn't matter. God is present in all experiences. Whether you are sitting comfortable in your home tonight when it starts snowing or whether you're serving in mission work in Papua New Guinea and hoping that you're the, mos- the mosquitoes are kept out by your mosquito netting overnight. God is present because God is with you. You are living your life in the midst, in the presence of royalty. Christina and I just finished up watching um, a series called The Crown. You know, some of you maybe have seen that series. It, they just had the first year out. I don't think the next one's coming out until this upcoming fall. And it was really well done. It's, it's on the life of Queen Elizabeth, who has been like the queen of England for like a couple of centuries, right, already. She's just been a queen. And, and, and one of the scenes that really struck me was, you know, you know the whole story. Her, her uncle abdicated from the throne. Her father, who didn't really speak, speak well, he had a speech impediment. He became king in the midst of the war. He, can, he contracted lung cancer, died early. And so even as a young woman in her early 20s, she became the queen right? And she's having her first audience with the prime minister, who was Winston Churchill. Now, this guy is a British legend, right? He's, you know, this is a guy who was a prime minister who saw the country through the darkest days of World War II, and literally almost by his words, held up their spirit and their courage, right? 
And, and so, and he's been re-elected to be the, the Prime Minister of England. He's coming in for his first meeting with this 23-year-old, know-nothing, new queen. And she is scared to death <laughs> of meeting him. And, and, the, and he comes in into the, wherever, into the parlor where she, she, the, the, king, the king or queen always greets the Prime Minister. He comes in, he bows to her, and he kisses her hand. And she invites him to sit. And he says, no, 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 the prime minister, you never sit in the presence of the royalty. And she takes a seat. And you think, here's this guy who's been a legend, a hero, who's earned it all, and yet he is paying this tremendous homage to this brand new queen. And you and I have the king of kings walking around with us every single day. You know, if you ever have a moment that you think, well, I don't really matter. God's not really paying attention to me. You don't get a manual. You don't. Because God is with you. And the reason he's there is because he wants to be there, because he cares about you. He values you. He's here for you, for all of us. It's, It's an amazing word. Here's the third truth I want you to see. The reason why God is with us is because we weren't designed to do anything without him. The reason God is with us is because on our own, by his design, we're really not capable of doing anything. Let me read some verses for you from John chapter 15. This again is on the last night of the life of Christ. I think this is going to come up on our screen over my shoulder. Listen to these words from John chapter 5, beginning with verse 5. It says, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will produce much fruit. If we're experiencing this God with us, this Emmanuel, if we're acknowledging it, we're recognizing it, we're living in it, it's our reality. We know that the extraordinary has invaded the ordinary. It does say all of that. You just really have to kind of look deep, right, you know? If, if you remain in me and I remain in him, it produces much fruit, but because... You can do nothing without me. One of the messages of Christmas, of the Emmanuel, is that we were not designed to do life without God. If you're trying to do life without God, you are nuts. Because that's not the way God's engineers drew it up on the plan. That's not the way the specs work. God designed our lives to function when we live in connection with him in his presence because and God's made it possible because God is with us. Apart from me, you can't do anything. But if you remain in me and I in you, we have this with us kind of experience, <laughs> going to produce much fruit. Some of us, we can trace the struggles in our lives spiritually, personally, relationally, Ethically, however you want to look at it, we can look at all those issues. We can trace it back to this fact that we are not living in a relationship of dependence on the Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Now, the good news on this is that God has made himself fully available to us because he's with us. We weren't designed to do life on our own. It doesn't work that way. But God is available Because the miraculous, the extraordinary, happened in an ordinary stable 
on a back street in a small town just outside of Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. And if we don't get that, we miss it. You know, part of the implication of this is that if you and I are living in connection with God, we're living in the presence of the God who is with us. We acknowledge it. We see it. We understand that it's not just the ordinary. It's not just the typical. It's not just the normal. But God has invaded, and he's present with us. He's before us. He's behind us. He's beside us. He's beneath us. He's above us. That The Scripture tells us that his grace will always be sufficient for us. We're going to always have every single resource that we need to be able to survive and thrive. And that's what he talk, tells Peter, tells Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the ninth verse. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. You know, Paul said, I'm, I'm going to embrace the fact that I'm just ordinary. I'm going to embrace the fact that I'm just normal. I'm just typical. That means I can't do anything. And I'm going to do all of that so that the presence, the God with us, can have first place and just see what he does. Because his power is perfected in weakness. Got a couple other things I want to point out real quickly. Part of the implication of this, and, and listen to this, because I, I, there's a lot of us who struggle with, our, with a spiritual sense of self-esteem. You know, oh, who am I? It's just, you know, that kind of stuff. I've made these mistakes, and I didn't do that, and I fall, and I'm, you know, screw that. And we, and we just have this low self. God desires to be with you. God desires to be with you. God desires. He longs to be with you. I can remember. Oh, my kids were two and three years old, right? Just little kids. And it didn't matter. They always wanted to go wherever I was going, right? I didn't have to be going out for donuts for them to want to come, right? The time of bribing them came when they became teenagers, right, you know? I mean, then it was like, oh, they never want to go. And then you had to bribe them to go. But when they're little, they always want to go. You could be going to have a colonoscopy, and they want to go, you know? I mean, it's, it's just they always want to be with you, right? And there's sometimes it drives you nuts because you're going off to work in the morning or you're going on a business trip and they're standing at the door crying because they don't want you to leave. And, except, you know, and then they grow out of it. But this is the other way around. This is the parent, the eternal one, who wants to be with us, wants to be with you, wants to be with me. And, and I got to tell you, we miss our significance to the Father if we don't understand the Emmanuel. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. But one last truth. Though it may look like the normal, though our lives, though we may look like the normal, God works in the normal to do the incredible. Mary and Joseph looked normal. Jesus, when he was born, he looked normal. But in the midst of the normal, the incredible began to happen, right? Shepherds are showing up. 
Angels are singing. Foreign dignitaries are showing up. God is speaking in dreams. God uses us, the normal, to do the incredible. If you have any questions about whether or not you are a world changer in the eyes of God, all you have to do is think about the Emmanuel. Because the reason you and I can be used of God to do the extraordinary, to do the miraculous, is because God has invaded the normal with his presence. There is a change that has to go on. Paul talks a lot about this in Philippians chapter 2 of what, what Jesus went through. We, we, Jesus had to go through a transformation where he was sitting in heaven enjoying all of the privileges of being the eternal God. And he took all that privilege, he took all of that right, he took all of that comfort, all of that adoration, he took all that and he set it aside, and he came on mission. And you, for, in order for you and I to really get the full power of the Emmanuel through us, we, we've got to shift our life focus from, this is what I need God to do for me, to, this is what I'm asking God to do through me in the world. We've got to go from our agenda to God's mission. And Jesus showed us how to do that. The Emmanuel. Christmas matters. Man, I, I, I don't think that you can understand the significance of who you are and how God wants to connect with you and how he can use you in this world unless you understand God is with you. God is with me. God is with us. Let's pray together. Father, as I look out at the faces of those who are here this morning, there's probably not a whole lot been said this morning that the vast, vast majority of these people haven't heard before. So it's just ordinary truth. But do something extraordinary with it because you're with us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.